You see, we all have these cravings and these longings of our heart that God has put within us. We have longings that we would belong somewhere. Mark Spencer talks a lot about our place and our people, that we would have a place and that we would have a people. And when we show up, you know, the youth always sit in the same area every time. Why? Because it's their place and it's their people. They know each other. They say hi to each other. How many of you sit in the same place every time that you come here? Why? Because it's your place. It's comfortable. And we have something in us that God has put in us that we long for and that we crave for and our spirit is drawn to. If your sacred pathway is the, na- is na- is the nature, is nature, you're drawn to go out into nature. You're drawn to this experiencing beauty. Heidi is, she knows when she's not been outside. And she goes, she actually says, I got to get outside. What she's saying is my soul needs to be in a place that I feel like God and I are like this. We're close. There's nothing between us. And we want to satisfy these longings. We have a longing to be enjoyed. When you walk into the room and somebody lights up and says, oh, I'm so glad you're here. It feeds our souls, doesn't it? We have this longing to have a purpose and to contribute. It's why serving, even though it seems like a not a big deal to serve at the host desk, it is. Because you greet people, you serve people, you tell them about who we are here, you connect people. It's not about just standing there. It has a purpose. And, if, and if, so serving is an important part of being a part of this community. We have a longing to be understood, don't we? It's really nice when someone says, I know what you mean. I get it. Someone might say, well, I haven't experienced what you experienced, but I'm with you. We have a longing for that. We want that to be satisfied in our souls. We have a longing to know who we are and to be known. It's one of the things we've been talking about a lot here lately with the transparency and the vulnerability. It's because it feeds our soul to be known, to let somebody into our lives and know us and know that they're going to accept us where we're at. And one of these is that we would belong, like I had mentioned, that we would have a place I, I always think of Cheers. Does anybody remember Cheers when you walk in? Oh, thank you, older people like me. Um, <laughs> you walk in and, the, and everyone knows your name. And they go, Norm! You know, they always know that Norm is coming in the building and everyone calls his name because everybody knows him. Why does he go there? Why does he go to that place? Why does he sit in the same bar stool every single episode? Because it's his people in his place. And we do that out of habit because we have an innate longing to belong. My daughter, Rachel, who is 27 now, um, and I have been walking um, in the mornings. We were getting up at 6.30, and we were walking. I walked my first 5K last month, and so we've been walking outside. And we've been putting on quite a few miles outside. We would get up at 6.30 and we would walk in Roseville. We're right up the street from Central Park. So we have this three-mile loop that we would do. Well, as soon as the weather changed just a little bit, she's like, I'm out. 
She goes, I'm not walking outside when it's cold out. And she goes, Mom, come to the gym with me. And I'm like, oh, walking on a treadmill with a bunch of other people sounds horrible. But I want to spend time with her, so I'm like, sure. So we get up, we go to the gym. So I'm walking, and and we're at this Planet Fitness in Roseville. And I'm walking on the treadmill, looking at 500 million TVs that are in front of me. I, actually, I have my earbuds in with my worship music. But I'm, I'm there, and I'm like, kind of got a bad attitude. And then I look over, and I see this on the wall. This is actually the wall of a Planet Fitness. If you Google it, they're everywhere. These, and their colors are yellow and purple. And it says, as big as you can get it to be, you belong. And I think, oh my gosh, these guys are brilliant. They're brilliant in their marketing. Because whether they know God or not, I don't know, they know that inside of us, we want to belong. And we want to have a place. And we want to have a people. And the the sad thing is for us is that we don't have this extremely settled in us. Do we? If, if you do have this completely settled and it never affects your life, I want to talk to you. But for most of us, even if we know in our heads that we belong and we have a people and we have a place, there are times in life where we're going to get unsteady and we're going to get unstable and things are going to become difficult and challenging and we're going to go, oh, I'm not really sure if I have a place here. I'm not really sure if they want me here. I'm not really sure if I have a place at the table. And so even if we've got this, we got it down 90% of the time, there are times when we're not going to. It's important that we acknowledge that we have this longing to belong. Imagine what it would be like if it was completely settled. We could walk into any situation with our heads held high, confident that God has our back and we're okay. That's what it looks like. We never question, I don't know if I could go there. I don't know if I could say that. I don't know if, if I have a place there. I don't know if they want me there. Those things wouldn't exist. Imagine if we could live like that. Now, I'm not an idealist to the point where I think we could live like that 100% of the time. But I do believe this. God is calling us to live like that more than we don't. He's calling us to live in that place of a secure belonging, a secure, stable place that we can go, yes, this is where I belong. These are my people. This is my place. Today we're going to be in Romans, surprise, um, chapter 8. So if you have your Bibles, you can get them out. Um, There's always Bibles on a... uh, Uh, like a book rack right around the corner out there. If you ever want to grab one on your way in, you can grab one. But we're going to go to Romans chapter 8. And when we were preparing for um, the preaching schedule, Mark and Brendan and I, uh, I don't do this very often, but I asked, I said, could I please have verses 15 and 16 out of Romans chapter 8? And they said, well, it happens to fall when we're not going to be there. And I said, perfect. So we're going to be in Romans chapter 8, verses 15 and 16. And if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. Hopefully Romans, the the edge of Romans is getting a little dirty because your hands are always flipping through the pages there. And I do have it on the screen for you too because I'm not mean. So verses 15 and 16, it says, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, 
That's, actually, I'm going to go back to 14 because it starts with a 4. Well, so does 14. I'm not going back all the way. But 14, Brendan ended with last week. It says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. And then 15 starts, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption. I love it when Scripture says, You didn't do this, but it's this. Pay attention. It, pay attention when Scripture says that to you. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself, the Spirit himself, which we determined a couple weeks ago, is in you, the new tabernacle. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Now, how many of you know this to be true? You don't have to raise your hands, but think about it. Do you believe that you are the child of God? That you are a son or daughter of God? We know it here. What I want to go after today is here. Because there are places where we fall out of that belief and we start believing lies instead of this truth. It's true as Christians, when we journey together with Jesus, we will fall out of the truth often and we will drift or we'll veer off or, we'll, or the world will say something or our own minds will say something or the enemy will come in and say something and we begin to doubt and we begin to veer off. So the truth is the truth. You are a child of God. We know that to be true. But what I'm talking about is sometimes when our heart says, yeah, but... What about here? Last week, um, I don't know, were you guys here last week for Brendan? He told this story about he was downstairs painting and he was getting frustrated with painting. And I could just see him coming upstairs because he's frustrated with painting and he meets Shanna in the kitchen and he's like, I'm just, I'm not a good painter. I'm really struggling with this. I'm not a good painter. And his little boy Emmett comes out from behind the counter. Do you remember this? And he says, Dad, you are a good painter. Now get downstairs and finish what you started. But here's what Brendan took away from that. And one of the quotes he had in his sermon last week, he said, the enemy always goes after our identity first. The enemy is the one that comes in and tries to tell you you have no value. The enemy is the one that comes in and says, you can't enjoy that. You're not good at it. The enemy is the one that lies and steals and kills and destroys and wants to take away from you all of the good things God intended you to have, all the good things God intended you to enjoy, all the good things that he has put in you, your longings, your desires. The enemy wants you to not have those. And he'll attack your identity first. We have this modeled for us in Scripture in Matthew chapter 3, Matthew is the first gospel in the, in the gospels. In Matthew chapter 3, we have the baptism of Jesus. It's actually, in all, it's actually in Mark 1, Luke 3, and John 1. It's in all four gospels. So we have the baptism of Jesus. And what happens? John the Baptist is baptizing Jesus. He baptizes him. He comes up out of the water. And then what happens? Anyone? 
I can't hear you, but that's okay. I think you're giving the right answer. Yes, the Spirit of God descends on Jesus like a dove. And then a voice is heard. And it's the voice of the Father. It's a voice of God, the Father. And what does he do? He declares over Jesus, this is my son. Who's going to argue with him? (laughs) This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. The source of all sources declares over Jesus, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And immediately after this in Scripture, we see Jesus is taken into the wilderness for 40 days. How many of us would really enjoy being in solitude for 40 days? Anyone? I see that. There's a couple. (laughs) I get two days with Scott gone at the men's retreat. (laughs) But sometimes we think that would be really nice and that we would want to be in solitude. But this is, here's the truth. Jesus was into the wilderness. He was alone without other people is what it says. But he did have somebody there, didn't he? He had the enemy there taunting him, tempting him. And immediately after his baptism where God declares, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased, he goes into the wilderness and the enemy is there. And the enemy says to him, if you are the son of God. Have you ever been in a place where you felt pretty confident about something and then somebody questions it and says, well, are you sure? What happens to your confidence? Immediately you kind of go, am I not supposed to be sure? Maybe I'm not sure. Maybe that's just me, but that's what happens to me when people question it. I think, oh, I'm not really sure. Maybe I, maybe I have to look at that differently. Immediately Jesus' identity was brought into question. If you are the son of God. He does it twice. There's three temptations. The first one and the third one. Satan says, if you are the son of God. And I imagine Jesus like this in the wilderness because he's fully human. And I imagine him hearing Satan and he has these great rebuttals to Satan which we learn from all the time. But what about the posture of Jesus that we don't see? So this is my speculation and my thoughts. I wonder if he's not sitting there thinking, my dad just declared who I am. The source of all sources has said, I'm his beloved son, and he's pleased with me. Satan, get behind me. He must have been thinking about this. And I think often we need to be reminded about this. We need to be reminded that the source above all sources has declared us his children. And I don't mean in a suck it up, will it into existence, denial kind of way. I mean in a posture way where we will sit with Jesus and we'll go, that's right, Abba, Father, you're my Father. Who do you say I am? That we would posture ourselves to go to that position. It's funny, this, there's a 
this story with Peter, which we do read sometimes. And it says this in, in Mark chapter 8. And Jesus went on with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi. And on the way, he asked his disciples, who do people say that I am? And I think about Jesus, and I'm like, why is he asking this? He doesn't need to know this. And then I'm like, but I do this all the time. Who do other people say I am? Well, what did they say about me? You know, if it's good, you know, I'm like fishing for some good compliments or something, you know, to make me feel better. And, you know, or if somebody's, you know, not saying good things and I want to immediately re- rebuttal it and go, well, they, you know, we, let's just be honest. Who do they say I am? It's so interesting. I don't know if, I don't think Jesus needed to know this. I think he's modeling something for us. And then he says to Peter, who do you say I am? And Peter says, well, you are the Christ. I think Jesus is modeling that we need to go to the right source and ask the right question. And it's going to God the Father, Abba, Father, and saying, who do you say I am? We'll never go wrong with that. You will never be steered wrongly by asking the Father, who do you say I am? Sometimes for me, when I'm in a funk or am struggling with something, I need other people to sit with me while I ask the Father that. And so there's this communal piece to it. But it's a good thing that we would begin to posture ourselves more today than yesterday of asking the Father, who do you say I am? You see, because our insecurities are rooted in what we think of ourselves whether we have a place or whether we don't have a place. And when we don't have a place and we don't satisfy that longing to have a people in a place, we have something that's called an orphan heart, where it feels lost, where it's feels unwanted, where it's feels like I don't know where to go, I don't know who to go to. When I was 24 years old, I was... Um, pregnant with our second child, with Rachel, who I go walking with now. And my father passed away. And he had me when he was old. He was 48. So he was, my dad was born in 1918. And so, but he was only 72 when he died, and I was 24. Four years later, my mom, who was 67, died. And so at 28 years old, three kids in, fourth one on the way, I don't have parents. And I remember thinking, I was talking this over with somebody, probably in counseling, because I've had a lot of it, and I remember saying out loud, I feel like an orphan. You see, the orphan heart doesn't necessarily mean you don't have parents. It means you don't have a place. It means you don't have a people. It could mean lonely. It's really connected closely with loneliness. It's connected with not being nurtured emotionally, physically, lovingly, spiritually. It can create this thing called an orphan heart in us. And, and we begin to listen to the wrong sources. We begin to try and reach for our identity. Who do you say I am? Who do you say I am? Well, who do they say I am? Who do you say I am? When we should be going straight to the Father and saying, who do you say I am? But as a young person, not really connect with Jesus, I didn't know any better. So I was grabbing all over the place for who do you say I am? But it, 
See, the wrong sources will say things like, you don't deserve good. You deserve bad. You're overreacting. You're not good enough. You talk too loud. You don't look right. You're not smart enough. You don't fit in. You name it, you guys. We all have them. You don't belong. You don't have a place. When you walk into a place, and it might even be here, and you think, I don't know where I fit. That is that, that orphan spirit bumping up against with truth. Because you do. There is a place for you. There is a place for you. What we need to identify is the proper place. Where is it? You need a, we need a new perspective. We need to look to the right source. In Uganda, we were um, feeding hundreds of children. And maybe you saw the Uganda video from when we returned, and there was a song that these hundreds of children were singing. And the song says, We are not forgotten. Because remember the song, We are not forgotten. I will spare you singing it. We are not forgotten. God knows my name. You see, the world would tell them that they are forgotten. The world will tell them that they don't have a people and they don't have a place and they don't have anywhere to go and nobody cares about them and nobody sees them. And what they're doing by singing this song is they're, they're dissolving what the world says and they're going to the source. And they're going to the truth. The truth of God that says, you are my children and I am well pleased. I have adopted you. You're mine. An adoption is permanent. It can't be undone. In New Living Translation, verse 16 says this, For his Holy Spirit speaks to us deep in our hearts and tells us that we are God's children. We have so many examples in Scripture. Mark 14, Jesus in Gethsemane calls out, Abba, Abba Father, all things are possible for you. Galatians 4, 6, And because you are sons, Peter write, or Paul writes, God has sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. It's a longing of ours that has been given to us by God to have an Abba, Father, a place, and a people. And when we're in that position of crying, Abba, Father, there's no question of our place. None. We stand as adopted, no more looking for home, no more looking for a place, no more wondering if people see us because that's secondary to I am chosen, I am loved. We stand in this newness of the Spirit and we stand without bondage and we stand without opposition between God and men, between creator and creature. creature. Where are those thin places for you where you feel like you are this close to God? Is it worship? Is it nature? Is it in the Word? Is it with loved ones? Where is it? Because it's so important that we find that and we go to that source place and we stand in that position and we say, God, who do you say I am? Who do you say I am? Because I can't keep listening to who they say I am. It's not right. 
This last week, not this last week, that's not true. And somewhere in the last few months, (laughs) I was um, facilitating a family wedding. And it's the first time I've been in this position with my family, with Scott's family. And so um, it went really well. I was really pleased with it. Um, and we were on the dance floor at night. A journey song came on, and for those of you who know me, I couldn't be a better place. You know, dancing to journey. And all of a sudden, one of the family members came up to me and says, I have a beef with you. And I might have told this story. I can't remember if I did, but I'm going to tell it again. And so um, I was like, okay. And we're on the dance floor. So first of all, she completely ruined a journey song, which I will have to forgive her for. But she started saying, I have a beef with you. You said this, and you said this, and you did this, and you're a hypocrite, and da-da-da-da. And she just was off and running. She was, and I've been carrying this for 19 years. And in my mind, I'm going to be really honest with you, I'm sitting there, and the only thing I'm thinking of is hold it together because everybody's watching. Hold it together. So I'm holding it together. I'm trying to be present with her. I'm trying to hear her, trying to be a good listener, which I'm learning at church, you know, and I'm trying to just keep it together. And I was able to meet her where she was at. I try to appease the situation. A lot of times in conflict, I'll be like, I'll say anything I need to say just to get out of there. Um, But I tried to stay present as best as I could. And it settled. She got it off of her chest. She said what she needed to say. And I turned around and I saw uh, my good friend, who's also a niece and family member, and one of my yayas, and I saw her and she was looking at me. I'm like, there's my people. And so I turned around, and and then when I turned around, I'm like, okay, now I started to shake, because now I'm like emotionally accosted, and I'm like, okay, 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 I'm just going to get to Amy. And then, um, so I got to her, and she goes, are you okay? I said, yeah, I think I'm okay. But I was, I wasn't, I, I was emotionally upset, and I I'm fine now. We, it's all resolved. And I went back and came to the table with the person and we hashed it out and talked it out and everything is good. But at the time, it was kind of emotionally traumatic for me. And my friend looked at me and she grabbed my shoulders and she said, think of the source. You see, this person that needed to say what they needed to say, which I really do believe they needed to say it, it came from a very wounded place. And it also came after a night of drinking. She was drinking. Let's just make that very clear. <laughs> so to have somebody remind me to look at the source of where this all was coming from was really important at the time. And it helped me gather myself. It helped me be more secure. It helped me think, okay, that's right. That's right. So now how can I get back into the posture of how can I help her? It wasn't easy, but we did get there, me and Jesus. (laughs) And it's okay. 
But I thought, boy, that's so brilliant that this, my, my friend would say, what is the source? You see, when we stand in this newness of spirit as children of God, there's no fear. And perfect love has cast out all fear. It's here in this place as Abba's children. It's hiddenness, but it's clarity. You receive clarity when you're in that place and peace. And it's a place where true freedom is measured. Freedom of my spirit, not my circumstances. To get to the place where I can see clearly and go, oh, that's right, the source matters. Okay, I'm grounded again. Thank you. Tolstoy has this great quote. It says this, Truth, like gold, is to be attained not by its growth, but by washing away all from it all that is not gold. Where are the lies that we're believing about our identity that need to be washed away? And I'm not talking about when someone speaks truth and says you're a hypocrite and they might have some truth in there that you have to own. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about where we go to the place of like, I don't have a place, I don't have a people, I don't belong, I don't deserve to be here. I remember one time I was in counseling and I said to the person, I said, I don't even feel worthy enough to breathe the same air as you. That's the kind of lie I'm talking about. Where is it, you guys? Because the Father wants to come in and say, I'm right here. Come to this place, Abba, Father. I talked with Heidi a little bit before the message, and I thought, I thought this thought, so I'm just going to go for it. I wonder if there's anyone in here that you had a father or a mother, a parent, that didn't really give you everything you needed. It's not a criticism of them because... We as parents know that we're not going to. <laughs> we're not going to give our children everything that they need. But how many of us had parents where we thought, it just wasn't good. It wasn't what I needed. It was hard. It was challenging. Maybe even it was abusive, verbally, physically, emotionally. Maybe it was abusive because it was a neglect it was an absence of emotional support, an absence of physical nurturing. If that is you in here and you have had that in your life and it's hard to make the leap from what you know in your family of origin to this place where you can cry out, Abba, Father, and feel safe and secure, I want to tell you that you can get here. You can get to the place where Abba Father really is a perfect daddy to you. He really is. And it's a place that's secure. And so when you go into your, your beautiful sacred pathway and you cry out, Abba Father, I'm adopted. You are my father. You mean it. And you don't just mean it here. You mean it here. And it's beautiful and it's real, and it's good, and it's solid, and it's free, and it's loving. Come on. It's good. God is good, and you can get to that place. It takes a little bit of work. 
I remember when I first started working at the Master's Institute, one of my mentors, Mike Bradley, the first book he gave me was called Abba's Child by Brennan Manning. It was really quite apparent I needed it. (laughs) I needed somebody to walk with me and guide me to the place where Abba Father was a good thing. And it was a good thing to be a part of. Because it's here in that place where we are. We don't have to strive. You don't have the world telling you what you have to be all the time. You just are his. That's your people. That's your place. And that's where you find out you belong. He's the God of clarity. He's the God of comfort. This is who he says you are. You are his beloved. It's settled. Just like adoption is permanent, it cannot be undone. You belong to him. Let's pray. What good news, Lord. (laughs) What good news. That we are yours. That you are our father. That you parent us perfectly. And when we can stand in that place of crying out to you, Abba, Father, it's a secure place. It's a solid place. It's a stable place. I thank you that Paul has written the words that we can go to and be reminded of when we're in the wilderness or when the world gets hard that we do have a people and we do have a place and it's with you. And it can't be undone. So Lord, would you bless us? Would you continue to draw us to you, to draw us to you spirit to spirit to that place where we can stand before you and say, I belong to you. That thin place. I can't help but smile, Lord, that you continue to draw us into those places so you can set us more and more free. So we thank you for the freedom for which you have set us free. I bless everyone in this room that they would would take the time this week to sit with you and just say, Abba, Father, to you. And in that place, then they would ask, what do you want me to know? Thank you, Lord, that you are that good. In Jesus' name, amen. Lord, your name is good. Your name is great above all names. Sing, you give life.
shout your praise. Our hearts will cry, these bones will sing. Our hearts will cry, these bones will sing. 